eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a seven-time All-Star. He's won five gold gloves as a four-time Silver Slugger winner. He won back-to-back NL MVPs in 1982 and 83. Ladies and gentlemen, Dale Murphy. Dale, we got it done. Thanks for coming on the Boone Podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, Brett. Uh, it's an uh, honor to be on. I know you've had a little trouble scheduling me. And I, you're, you're, I apologize. You're a, you're a, you're a diva. I should I should have given you I should I should have given you my wife uh, Nancy's information. She's a lot better at doing this scheduling. For those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, I, and I say this completely kidding, uh, me and Dale had to. It was just you know lack of communication, but we we eventually got it done. But I was thinking to myself, I'm I'm trying to book Beyonce here, and I can't get her on. <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for your patience. Um. You know, we just recently we ran into each other in in, uh, in Atlanta, both back there for an alumni activity. Um, and you know, I <clears throat> Truest Field, and I and I hope I'm saying it right, is the newest Atlanta Braves park since we. It seems like we get one now every ten or fifteen years. Yeah, it was really a cool place. I, I stayed in the hotel that was hooked the Omni, which is hooked to kind of the yeah. the. Uh, the, the field and it was it was like downtown Disneyland it seemed like outside of the hotel where it's like you weren't in a real city I felt like it was recreated but it was it was pretty awesome I mean I, I from a fan standpoint if you're an Atlanta Brave uh, everybody wearing Brave memorabilia everybody had a Braves jersey or shirt on and there were little shops and and uh, restaurants I know you have a a place down there Murphs. Uh, but I was really impressed. It, it, the Braves have always had a big following, but uh, I played Turner Field, 
the one year I played for the Braves, obviously played against the Braves for a lot of years back in when it was Fulton County, where you played a lot of, you know, <laughs> your whole career. But I'll yeah. tell you, you know what it did to me? It kind of made me feel old. I'm like, wait a minute. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, I'm playing in Fulton County. We get this brand new shiny ballpark in in uh, in Atlanta. I get traded to the Braves for that ninety. We had a ninety nine run. I got to go to a World Series with the Braves. But we got this brand new shiny Turner Field. It was a little bigger than I liked. I liked Fulton County Stadium. The ball flew a yeah. little bit better there. Yeah, yeah. But but it's like I. I I take a nap, I wake up and there's a new ballpark in Atlanta and they're, and they're, and they're, you know, especially this last five or six years, they're on another one of those big time runs. Yeah. It's interesting. You're right. Uh, uh, especially, uh, Turner field. They were, they were only there 20 years and it's, it, you know, that seems like a long time, but not for stadiums. Uh, but what I think what some of the clubs are running into, you know, Arizona's having a little discussion about their stadium. Um, uh, I know, uh, Denver's even gone through a little bit with their stadium. I think what they're finding is a lot of these stadiums and that's what happened at Turner field was they needed so, um, so much money to kind of catch up to the times. Uh, and then the Braves wanted to develop around the stadium and they got into a big hassle with the, with the, uh, uh, the city, uh, well, in another well, uh, the two obvious ones that we need to figure out what they're going to do with their stadium is Oakland looks like they're going to go to Vegas and Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, things, they, they get updated so quick. You're right. I mean, it, it was, it was kind of a surprising move for everybody, but their vision of what they did um, at uh, Truist Park with the battery Atlanta in that whole surrounding area is you know, it's incredible. It only took them two and a half years when you think about it to, to build almost, well, build that little community uh, with apartments, shops, restaurants. The energy there, um, what they've created there, the energy is, is just incredible. Uh, I think they had 50,000 people in that uh, area outside the ballpark, uh, Brett, uh, during the World Series and playoffs and 40,000 people inside. I mean, it was it was insane. So they've had over a hundred professional um, sports teams from around the world come and see what they've done, and it is the model for the future. Uh, people are some stadiums are trying to retrofit something, an experience like the Braves have created there with the battery. Um, it's it's fantastic, and they got a you know very good team, as you know. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I talked to Chipper. You talk about uh, playing in that ballpark in, in Turner Field. And, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't play in that ballpark. Chipper told me he never hit a cheap one there. And I was like, man, I hit a few cheap ones in Fulton County Stadium. Uh, the new ballpark seems fair. Um, and you're right, they got a great team. But what they've created there, you're exactly right. It's, uh, it's an incredible thing. And it's really the model for a future. Anybody building a stadium is going to have to create that mixed use facility uh, immediately around the ballpark. Yeah. Cause you know, we, as baseball players, as ex baseball, we, we go to a million stadiums and we've seen them all yeah. meet them to walk away. It really did make an impression on me. I was, I was yeah. really impressed with it. Uh, you know, just getting up the day of the, the game that we went to that night. I mean, it was 12 o'clock. 
I was out looking for lunch, and it's like a full-on block party. Like, these guys yeah. are ready for a regular season game. Now, the Phillies were in town. Uh, you know, a lot of Phillies fans and uh, on the East Coast. But still, 12 o'clock, it's buzzing already. And, yeah. um, you know, after the game, it's like, all right, I, I wanted to go down and get an ice cream cone after the game. It's like, good luck waiting in line with, <laughs> yeah. with that many people. But, uh, yeah. you know, as a player, you, you couldn't ask for anything cooler oh. than that. You know, Absolutely. just that – that, that electricity around the ball, uh, around the ballpark and your team for you, you got a, you've got a uh, restaurant there. When you go to your restaurant, when, when people you're walking around Atlanta these days, what do fans want to talk to you about? Because your time in Atlanta was a different time. It was the TBS days. It was WGN with the Cubs. I I remember because when you first started playing, that's my childhood. That's right in my wheelhouse. And I was a baseball rat. So other than, you know, when I was at home watching dad's games in Philly, uh, the only game in town was the Braves or the Cubs. And it was kind of, you were, you were America's team on the superstation. So, and, and you were the star on that team. Anyway, what, when you're walking around the city today in Atlanta, in Georgia, when you when you're in that part of the country, what do people ask Dale Burphy? Yeah, you're right, Brett. A uh, different time, and very thankful to play at that time. L- let me tell you, it was, uh, um, you know, we we had a few good years. We didn't have a lot of good years, but uh, uh, we had a few good years. Ted Turner put us on, you know, the the Superstation, uh, got us on TBS, and anywhere you had cable or or a dish if you're out in the country yeah you could watch uh tbs or you could watch the cubs on wgn so um that's what people really want to want to know about i mean uh you know the restaurant's been fun uh i got some memorabilia up there so it's been fun but it's really been fun to your question to to reconnect with with people and fans from that era you know when you're playing you're always trying to protect your privacy and you, you kind of, you know, careful where you go out and you just kind of protect you and your family. You want privacy, but you know, now at, at my age, it's fun for me to reconnect <laughs> and yeah. to talk about those old days. I love to talk about the old days. People, they usually ask me what, where's Bob Horner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you play golf somewhere. Yeah. Right. So Bob's doing great. He's in Dallas. Um, but uh, they they want to know what the those guys from the '80s are doing, really. Uh, you know, they want they want to catch up, and it really was a, a a great time for for a player to to be in Atlanta. And you know, I travel around, um, and uh, people from all over the country, uh, you know, remember those TBS days. Uh, the 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 uh, they they've uh, adopted a. A, a name is TBS kids, you know, and it sounds like you were a little bit of a TBS kid. I was, I was. Yeah, it, it's just, it was on. And I think, you know, it was on every night. Ted Turner said, we're going to put them on home and away every night. And people are like, that's that's not going to work. And what they found out, if we weren't playing well, it did affect our home attendance. If we were playing well, it didn't have any effect. People, you know, locally, they'd watch it on TV and they would come down, but you know, uh, it, it, I think it's it it is also a testament to what baseball needs. Baseball just needs exposure. People just need to see it to fall in love with the game, uh, and that's what Ted Turner and that whole thing created was not only Braves fans but fans of the game. They just love to 
you know, have, have baseball be a part of your evening every night. Um, and that's the kind of sport baseball is. It's a long, as you know, you, it's a long drawn out drama and, uh, a lot of ups and downs. And I might say our, our, our announcers, the core three were, uh, uh, Ernie Johnson, senior, uh, Pete Van Weeren and Skip Carey. And they, they brought people a great broadcast. They, they were professionals and they were our broadcasters. People were getting a hometown broadcast. So it really endeared fans, you know, to the players. So, so people feel connected to that, that eighties team, those eighties years, uh, uh, just because, you know, we were out there and, uh, it was a lot of fun and it, it, I connect now, uh, you know, I do some speaking, I have the restaurant and, uh, when I go to a, a, a company to speak invariably, there'll be quite a few kids, well, TBS kids there yeah. that are in their fifties and forties and fifties and sixties. Uh, it's, uh, it's really fun to connect. I think that's the main thing, Brad, is, it, you know, people want to know, you know, what, you, what I've been doing and what the other guys are doing. You broke into the big leagues in 1976. I had no idea that you caught, you played <laughs> first base a little bit. You know, you always think of Dale Murphy. He was, the, he was an outfielder. But uh, how was that going from, you know, I talked to my dad about it, and, it, and it's so strange because I, I never came anywhere near a pair of a shin guards. <laughs> but, but dad was a third baseman in the minor Really? Yeah. yeah. He didn't become a catcher. Until like triple A, I think he tells me the story. He's like, well, Brett, it was me and Mike Schmidt. And somebody had to make a change. And I guess I was the odd man out. And I said, yeah, dad, because you couldn't hit the ball over the wall consistently. I said, it gave you a 19 year big league career and you became a, oh a, an unbelievable catcher. And he laughs about it. But uh, how was that change? Did, did you expect to be a catcher or all of a sudden it's like, nope, this is where I'm going to end up. Well, it was a process, you know, interestingly enough, I, I, so I was catching in high school. I was drafted as a catcher. I actually thought I was going to get drafted by the Phillies. Um, they, they were the only team that flew me out. I was in Portland, Oregon. They were the only team that, that, that wanted a pre-draft workout. So they flew me to Philly. Um, and I knew the scout in Portland, uh, with the Phillies. So that was the summer of 1974, Brett. I think your dad was there. Would, would I be right? Yeah, yeah. His first year was, he was kind of breaking in in 72. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was there. Well, anyway, long story. I thought I, I thought I had a chance of getting drafted. They ended up taking Lonnie Smith. Um, Skates. And, uh, yeah, yep. And so the one thing I remember about my tr workout was it was so humid. I can't remember whose bat I grabbed for BP. Um, I think Ray Ripplemeyer is that is that a name? Am I getting that name right? Ray Ripplemeyer was definitely a coach number four for the Phillies. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I think he I think he threw BP to us, and then we went out and they said, "Okay, we're going to run the sixty yard da dash." Uh, Murphy and Wilson, you're first, and it was Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson, <laughs> good luck. <Yeah. laughs> So I got drafted by the Braves and, uh, you know, it was just catching. Yeah. I was a little, everybody goes, yeah, you're so tall. I go, well, there were a few tall catchers, but, but my arm, you know, I had a really good arm and in high school I hit really well. And so I was drafted as a catcher, but, uh, you know, really Brett just 
started throwing the ball all over the place, got a little case of the yips, got out of it. Uh, and I ended up catching about 80 total, about 80 games in, in the major leagues. But I just, you know, it, it, it just, um, I, I wasn't playing well enough to be an everyday catcher. And, uh, but, but then the, the problem for Bobby Cox back then was I started to hit some home runs. And so he's like, well, wait a minute, you know, if Murphy isn't going to catch, where are we going to put him? So he moved me to first base. Um, it didn't work out well there. I, I learned first base is a lot <laughs> tougher than it looks. Uh, and then Bobby called me uh, in the uh, winter of 79, 80 and said, Murph, we're, you know, what about the outfield? And, you know, as a, as a kid and, you know, I always tell people if I was an outfielder moving to catcher, I'd have had big problems, but moving catcher to the outfield, I could run a little bit. I just, I just, you know, I just said, well, to my, I said to myself, this is, this is it. You know, I gotta, I gotta work this out in the outfield. So I just worked as hard as I could and, and uh, really relaxed mentally because, you know, my defense was not major league quality and I just, you know, I felt, felt good and confident. And then my career took off. So, you know, Bobby got me to the outfield. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, he, he, had, he is, you know, you know, Bobby, he, he doesn't like to give up on guys. He, he, uh, he wants things to work out for you and uh, is pu always pulling for you. And he just said, let's, let's try the outfield. And uh, he put me right in there. He says, you're, you're going to be starting left field. That's where I started and moved around a little bit, obviously, during the rest of my career. But he just put me right in there and let's go. Yeah, Bobby. Shoot, Bobby. Speaking of people in Atlanta that have been around forever, Bobby Cox. Yes. Uh, and he was my skipper. And I, I know he was your skipper for a minute, went back yeah. upstairs, and then, uh, you know, eventually came down and went on that, uh, you know, everybody knows about the 90s run and, you know, uh, everything that the Braves have done. Uh, we had Brian Snitker on the on the show uh, a few months ago, and he talked about Atlanta and that and that culture they built over those years. You know, Snit's been. We we had a brief discussion about Snit, what a great guy he was, and and how uh, you know he's been in Atlanta for so long in every capacity. He goes, Booney, yeah. I've done everything you could do in Atlanta, and this last run for him, where where they, I think they won the division the last five years. Uh, Brian said, you know, I, and I thought the days of, of having a chance to be a big league manager had passed me by Brett. And he said, I was okay with that. And next thing you know, I get a phone call and I'm the skipper. And then we're winning world series. And he said, I, I can't believe it's real, but real humble guy. You could tell guy that's yeah. done everything, appreciates everything he's had. And obviously right now it, kind of reaping the rewards of all that work he's put in all those years. Um, 76, you get your, you get your feet wet like we always do. 77, kind of the same. And 78 is where you first kind of break through. Uh, you hit 23 homers, uh, drive in 79. We're getting to those 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 peak years, you know, when, when you really, really. I'm looking at it, Murph, and, and it's like looking at the numbers, and I'm looking at that stretch that you had from about 82 to 86. And I said, this time of the game, he's he's got to be the best player in the game. For, and that's a long time to be the best. If you're the best for a year, it's like I did pretty good. But you, that <laughs> that stretch is was was pretty darn impressive. I want to talk about Joe Torrey. Yeah, before he was Joe Torrey. Yeah, everybody, you know, t 
today I'll, I'll be doing a show and they'll say, Booney, how important is the manager? I said, well, it helps to have some good players. And I always bring up Joe Torre. I said, Joe Torre is one of the, he's a Hall of Fame manager, revered around the world, got a ton of rings. I said, how was Joe Torre when he was managing the St. Louis Cardinals? Was he this guru? <laughs> I said, managers can only do so much. Yes, the great ones find yeah. a way to unlock uh, the, that player's potential. That you know, there's so many different personalities. How do I get yeah. the best out of Dale Murphy and the best out of Brett Boone? We might have to take two different approaches, and the great ones know that they're people person. Yeah, they're people people. Yeah. Um, but tell me about Joe Torre. Like I said before, he was Joe Torre. I know Joe Torre, the player, was a hell of a player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always kind of say it this way. Bobby, Bobby saved my career, and 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 Joe. Uh, 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 I had my best years under Joe because of Joe. Um, you know, uh, uh, back then, uh, you know, we had hitting coaches, but it, it managers were involved. Joe was a good hitter, won a batting title, um, good player, and uh, we really just synced up on hitting. And he talked to me all the time. And uh, and he was great to play for. You're right. Uh, different personalities uh, than Bobby Cox or than Brian Snitker. But there's guys that kind of have this thing with people that make it motivating to play for them. They kind of exhibit a trust, you know, in you. There, there's, there's nothing more valuable, uh, nothing more uh, uh, motivating than a relationship with somebody who is leading you and knowing that that guy, that man or woman trusts you, uh, gives you the freedom to, you know, create out there. I mean, I, I didn't even think of me as a, as a base dealer until Joe Torrey gave me the green light the whole season. He said, you go whenever you want. And I ended up stealing over 20 bases in 82 and then 83, I ended up stealing 30. I, I, but I had never thought about that until Joe said, you know what? I think you can steal more. I'm just going to give you the green light. You know, go ahead, go whenever you want. I mean, if you start messing up and going at stupid times, you know, we're going to, we're going to check that. But so, so you got this guy uh, in Joe that you're right, uh, has to, you know, figure out how to get the best out of everybody. And it, it's, uh, it's more of a, a relationship, not that you have to go to lunch and dinner with your players every night. It's more of, you can say a lot of little things and just uh, demonstrate that you like your guys and that you trust them, you believe in them, and you're pulling for them. Uh, Bobby demonstrated that in a, in a lot of ways. One of them was getting kicked out of so many games. And people think, well, that's a weird way. I go, no, that, that, that endears you to that manager. He's pulling for you. He's mad. If you didn't get a fair shake out there from the umpire, all those kind of things really motivate players. You know, Brad, I mean, money is a great motivator, but I don't think it's the ultimate motivator. Uh, there's something about relationships that really work and great managers have it inherently. Uh, I don't think, you know, any, we don't sometimes go to school. There's a lot of books on it. You can read about leadership and all that stuff. Uh, uh, but it really gets down to relationships. And I, I had a great relationship with Bobby, but Ted Turner fired him, hired Joe Torrey. And you're right. A lot of people forget about those years uh, before he became Joe Torrey. But, uh, you know, we um, we didn't have 
a great team. We had a good team, but we won the division in 82. We finished second in 83. Uh, we, uh, um, 82, 83, 84, we finished second. Padres ran away with it. My, my Yeah, I think uh, um, we just clicked. And Joe did a great job for those years. And for some reason, uh, there was a little bit of a discussion within the Braves. We slipped a little bit in 84, and, and Ted Turner wanted to go a different direction. But, man, we, we had some good years under Joe, and then I was so happy for him to see that future success. But he's got those leadership qualities like good managers have. Yeah, you bring me back to the, the early 80s, and you said, you know, we, we – one in 82 and came in second back then you come in second place you're going home for the winter yeah you know yeah. i i laugh i'm do i do all these yeah. you know we get ready for the postseason and i'll you know i'm on where they'll have me on talking about the postseason i said well there's 12 freaking spots i yeah. said when, when i was a kid there was four it's crazy <laughs> you've got to win the yeah the, you know so that 162 and, and you know the new format completely understand it from oh, yeah. an entertainment value from a fan's Absolutely. perspective. Yeah. Wow, yeah. it's a lot of fun keeping so many cities involved. Yeah. And, and that playoff, I'll tell you, if you make the playoffs, that's a landmine. That's treacherous. You got to go, you got to win four series. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's easier to win the World Series point. now. Yeah. But it, it just, it's, it's changed because the emphasis isn't on that 162 game yeah. grind and the best, you know, kind of emerges just different time, but, uh, Oh yeah. You know, we go forward with everything. Um, how about, how about Brett? We, we got into the playoffs in 82, if five game series, <laughs> that's it to go to the five games. <laughs> right. We just played 162 <laughs> beat everybody. And, and yeah. we're going to drag it out five games. Well, my starting pitcher had a rough day. Oh, well, now it's four games. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it was rough. And That's we got, a tough league. We, yeah, we got swept by the by the Cardinals, yeah. and it, it was just like, what what just happened? We just had a great six months, and then you know, in, in a week, <laughs> it was crazy. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another guy I want to talk about is obviously, my opinion, just the top three all time, Hank Aaron. You know, everybody talks about Hank Aaron as a as a home run hitter, and you know he's he's a home run king and all all this stuff. He was a lot more than that. I mean, for guys out there that think Hank Hank Aaron just hit home runs, check out his bubblegum card. It's a it's pretty. I, I there's not oh. too many people on this earth that have a more impressive bubblegum card than Hank Aaron. He took over in '76. Obviously, he was the face of the Braves for a lot of years. You become the face 
of the Braves uh, in his absence, basically. He retired. He comes as an executive, and he, and he remained an executive until he passed away, uh, I think, about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, but what a run, and, and what a man. I got to talk with him a little bit. You know, I was only in Atlanta, like I said, one year, 1999. He was around then. And once in a while, I'd get a, you know, I'd get a little brief conversation with Hank, but always one of my favorite guys, always one of my favorite player, always would talk about, that was my favorite thing when people would talk about Hank Aaron, all the home runs they hit. I said, what about all the bases he stole? And he won some gold gloves and he won a batting title. I said, he wasn't just a home run hitter. This guy was the, the full deal and one of the greatest ever. Uh, being around him, what was your relationship with Hank? Well, so again, so fortunate to be able to uh, come through the Braves organization. Unfortunately, I, my first spring training as a catcher, I drafted in 74. So, you know, they always bring catchers. They need more catchers. So I got invited to spring training in 75 and Hank was with, with Milwaukee and yeah. uh, he had just got traded. So unfortunately, I didn't get on the field with him in, in spring training and then uh when he retired, he came back and was the director of minor league player personnel, I believe, or and maybe in a, a vice president as well. Uh, but and then I was in the big leagues, so we didn't have a working relationship, so to speak. He was never um, my my boss in that way, but he was always there. We'd always see him. He would come down and talk about hitting occasionally. I'm sure he he got frustrated with me at times, the way I approached it. He was a little, he was careful about that. He liked to be invited by the coaches. Uh, he respected their, you know, position and uh, didn't come down there and just, you know, uh, but his main job was the minor leagues and he did a great job. Um, uh, just, you, you got to hand it to him. I mean, it's not easy to go from what he was on the field to an executive and then create a great minor league system, which he did. Uh, and so, uh, what just, uh, so, so very fortunate, um, to be able to, you know, rub shoulders with him. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, really surreal for, you know, a kid from Portland, Oregon to really kind of grasp what was going on. I watched him break Babe Ruth's record in, in April of 74. And then I got drafted by the Braves in June. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, but his, you know, the way he handled himself and the great work he did uh, within uh, the civil rights uh, efforts and community and relationships within Atlanta and what he went through as a player. Um, people say, well, what about Barry Bonds? And, you know, it, Barry's numbers are in the record books. There's no question. But when you look at Hank's overall career and, and, and what he went through, I think the degree of difficulty uh, puts puts Hank, no matter, you know, not to get into the controversy with about Barry and all that stuff, but you just look what Hank did and what he went through. Um, I heard him say when he hit, when he broke Babe's record and those two guys run out on the field and he doesn't react very kindly to him. He, he didn't get mad at him, but he's, he's kind of, you know, trying to get these guys off. Him. He didn't know what was going on. He had had so many death threats leading up to that, the, the year leading up to breaking Babe's record, that it was the most miserable time he's had. And then he hits the home run and two guys jump out, you know, from the stands and are following him on the bases. It, it really made him nervous. Uh, his numbers, when you go 
inside of his numbers, you're right, Brett. You you look at him and you you're you just start you're trying to figure out how he did it. Take away his home runs, he's still got three thousand hits. It's ridiculous. Um, he's third all time in hits. I mean, it it I I I could be off of a couple of guys, but that's how many hits he's got. Uh, and and I was just with the uh, Braves historian uh, recently. Sam Wallace, and we were talking about how good Hank was for so long. He said, you know, right now, we, we would, as Braves fans, we would consider Ronald Acuna uh, the MVP. Uh, he's a five-tool player. Um, at, at Ronald's pace, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s pace right now, he'd have to get a little bit better. He's, do, he's getting close to Hank's, like, but he'd have to get a little bit better and he'd have to do it for 20 more years. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It, it just blows your mind. Hank yep. was fantastic. Really grateful to get to know him throughout my career. Uh, the eighties, you know, you know, I told, I talked about it earlier. I mean, you start about 1980, your first all-star game, you get 33 home runs, you know, you go 82, you're an all-star 82 to 87. 36, 36, 36, 37, 84 and 85, you lead the league in homers. 82 and 83, those are your MVP years. You also, you're the RBI champ. You win, you win the silver slugger, you win the gold glove. 82, 83, and I, and I know, uh, you know, I've read a lot about, about Dale Murphy. I know what kind of man you are and, and the integrity and how you carry yourself. But 82, 83, because I had, you know, I remember going to Seattle in the early 2000s and we were a big deal and I thought I was a big deal. It's tough as a young man for you, especially you're on TBS. You're winning MVPs and that you just didn't win one. You win two. Was it easy for Dale Murphy to just keep a keep a solid head on his shoulders or, or like all of us young men, we get caught up in it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have, you know, I I say Joe Torre kind of got, got me into those best years of my career. Uh, but, you know, I I, I, I can't uh, thank my wife enough, Nancy, to, you know, keep me level-headed during those years. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it, it, it's the, the attention, the, the lack of privacy um, was a real challenge for us. Uh, you know, I, I tried to, you know, I, I remember meeting Johnny Miller um, and uh, a little, a few years after his heyday, still competing, but, you know, one of the most pop, uh, greatest golfers ever. He said, hey, you're having a lot of success. He goes, there's one word you, you need to learn, and it's no. <laughs> and uh, so I think it really took a lot of communication from between Nancy and I to try to keep this, uh, keep this thing rolling. Remember what's most important. Uh, but you're exactly right. You know, it's a challenge for an athlete in our culture when they start doing things well. People, people treat you differently. Uh, they want to buy you dinner. They want to give you stuff. You start thinking you're, you're, you're that person. Yeah, you're above and, the program. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And. Uh, but then, you know, I, I really uh, um, feel that Nancy and I had, you know, we, we had a lot of talks, you know, about my time and, you know, just the, the push and pull of keeping 
family time sacred. And uh, so that's what I think that's what's, you know, helped me get through that really uh, because it's a great, it means you're doing really well. Right. That's uh, right. But it also brings in all these other challenges. And, and now, you know, you were mentioned about feeling old and seeing these new stadiums. I mean, isn't it weird, Brett, how fast it went? It's just, it was so fleeting that it's hard to remember that it's hard to remind yourself that when you are a kid going through it, you think this is the way life is going to be. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got, you got, I got grandkids like, but it just in a blink of an eye, it just happens so fast. So you got to be careful uh, because you don't want to throw away your future uh, and all the things that are going to come later on in life, uh, you know, by all this adulation you're getting, you just got to be careful. It's, it's a, a lot of guys, you've, we've seen it. A lot of a lot of professional entertainers and athletes have get really mixed up about that, and yeah. uh, it was a challenge in some ways. I'm thankful for the success, and it's hard to even talk about it, isn't it, Booney? Like people, like wait, you mean that wasn't a a great thing? No, it's a great thing, <laughs> right? But it's really hard to explain it. I, I guess is is the thing what you what you go through with the popularity, it can really mess with your mind. Right. And, and you see it. I, I remember it when I was in early 2000, Seattle, we're rocking. Uh, I'm in my, yeah. you know, I'm in my, having my best years. Right, and I remember right. thinking you, you do, you get caught up in it. And I remember thinking, you know, my wife would say, Hey, let's go to lunch today. And, and maybe I was in a rut. I was old for my last 10. <laughs> I didn't want like the grandma on the street to give me that look like, Oh, little, little Brett, are you okay? You know, yes, I'm fine. I don't, that's why I didn't want to go out. It's like, I I didn't want that. I don't need any pity. I'm a big boy. I can handle this, but you're right. You get caught up in it. It's over before you know it. You know, I grew up, I grew up with dad, you know, I was a year away from playing against my dad in the big leagues. And, and, you know, he, I I tell him all the time, he choked, you, you couldn't play another year. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I grew up as a kid in that atmosphere in Philadelphia, yeah. running around, and you know, I'm at Veterans Stadium every day, and I think that's normal for every kid gets to do this. And then I play my career, and it's like it's never going to be over. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm sitting at home, retired, going, "Who the hell am I?" You know, yeah, I, no. I I was this baseball player for exactly. a long time, and you and and you wake up and you go, "No, I'm I'm that whatever you did on the baseball field, that's never going away." But then I started, you know, when I was retired for a while and, you know, the last five or six, seven years, I thought, I, no, I'm a dad. I got four kids. I got to raise and be a, a really good example for them and hopefully, you know, support them and whatever they they get yeah. into, whatever endeavors they get into. And there's a lot more to life. And, and you know, as you do get farther away from from the game, uh, you, you're allowed. It's easier to laugh at yourself. Yeah, a little bit more, yeah. you know, I, I yeah. always tell people, I said, yeah, don't you know who I used to be or, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, how serious as players we were, we were a serious deal. Cause you always yeah. talk, you, you know, you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, Hey, my privacy and I need my, I mean, we took ourselves pretty serious yeah. when we were in that <laughs> bubble. True. Like, don't you know who I am? Yeah. Hey, yeah, stay, yeah. Stay behind the ropes. And then yeah. one day there's, nobody's behind the ropes you're like hey take the ropes down. <laughs> there's there's no yeah and it's, hey let's talk a game you want to talk yeah, <laughs> i got yeah. i got i got some stories <laughs> yeah it's like instantaneous there's yeah. no ropes 
There's like, no ropes. Like, yeah, I, I, I think uh, Booney, what you went through is is especially a challenge. Growing up in a major league clubhouse and around the game, I, uh, I mean that if for your whole, uh, what till you retired, that's all you knew. That would be a, an especial. Uh, I mean, a, a especially challenging situation. You know, uh, I think it's a testament to to your parents and 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 your makeup because uh because like you said you know we had a you grew up with it this is this is what i am uh nancy uh remembers when when chad was about eight years old they were walking through a grocery store and there was a big a contest and the winner the winner of the contest got to go to spring training with the braves and see some games and chad looked at nancy and goes well Wait, that's 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 what they get. That's the prize. They get to go to spring training. What what's so cool about that? I mean, <laughs> it's right. like it's like that was that was his life. But it it is a weird it, it's a weird dynamic. Um, and uh, uh, I I think uh, you know especially uh, you know hats off to you and your family because uh, that that can be real challenging. And boy, it is, it is over before you know it. And it's funny. I I never get it out of my system. I I still have a passion. I'd love to be out there playing, but the years have gone on. I know I can't do that anymore. But it is not. I when I retired, I thought it was just going to be up. You know, on to new things. And man, my first three or four years after I was retired, I don't think I was very pleasant. I I it was it was a much bigger adjustment than I thought it it was going to be. And. Uh, uh, you know, again, Nancy and I had to keep those that communication going because it it's a it messes with your head. And you're exactly really right. Who, who am I? What am right. I going to do? Right. I still got most of my life to live. And I and I didn't plan it out very well. You know, uh, my dad did. He went right from playing. He went on the field and he managed in AAA was his first job. He was managing against me in the in the PCL. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking, Dad, you just played all these years. You really want to just go do this right away? Because uh, I, I, my brain didn't think like that. My brother uh, went right into the media right off the field, and and he was networking at the end of his career. And I thought, these guys are these people are crazy wanting to do that. I remember when it was coming to the end for me. I thought to myself, when you know the media would say, "Oh, you know, is this going to be it?" And I thought, you know, the day I can't play this position. I'm going to go off in the sunset and, and I don't want anything to do with baseball anymore. And that's how I approach it. And you talked about when you first got off the field, those years, you probably weren't pleasant all the time. Yeah, man. I went through a crazy time where I just thought, you know, I'm going to go play golf and be on vacation. And and I did, I woke up one day thinking, who am I? What the hell am I doing? Yeah. You know, I didn't, they didn't have a plan for this. You know, I didn't take this right. course on right. how to finish a career and then go be, go be successful in life. It's, it's something that you, uh, that, that you have to acquire and, it, and it's by getting yeah. knocked down and, and sitting back up. It's, it's, it's pretty cool now having the knowledge that we both have, if we have yeah. the opportunity to talk to young players, right. Give them a little advice. Hey, what did I do wrong? Here's some things that I did positive that I would suggest doing. Here's some things I wish I would have done, kid. Yeah. Take it or leave it. You know, a lot of guys are going to listen or they're not going to listen. But you know, it it it's it's interesting. This thing, this thing, life, Dale. It, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's not for wimps. 
It, it's not for minors. Yeah. <laughs> After 93, you retire. You finish with Philly and, and the Rockies. Unbelievable career. Um, but you mentioned Ted Turner earlier. Uh, I played for Ted. I remember game two, the World Series. Ted came down to the locker room, gave us a speech, gave us a stock tip that we didn't know was a stock tip. Walked out, <laughs> you know, kind of laughing. Jane Fonda's with him under his arm. And and kind of leaves us, you know, like players look at each other like, you think he was serious about that stock? Nah, Ted just owns it. <laughs> like two or three days later, thing like goes up 280%. We're all sitting there going, he was serious. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't be serious. Tell us he was serious to be insider trading. Anyway, Ted, oh, was, you know, I didn't see Ted much. I saw him at the games. Like I said, he gave us a pep talk in the World Series. I played for an interesting lady in Cincinnati, Marge Shot. I'm telling you, every day was an adventure. Um, at the end of the day, she wanted to win, though. She really did. Yeah. Cheap yeah. as could be. If I cracked a bat, I'd have to go turn it in to get a new bat. That's how That's how she had the rules set up. But uh, she did want to win. She did want to win. Interesting. Interesting. We've all played for a bunch of different uh, – type of ownership i think the most important thing i i get from players and ex-players and especially how i used to think was i don't care what you do as the owner but the fact that you have our back those 25 guys in that clubhouse that's the most important thing george steinbrenner never played for him but from afar as a player i thought you know i could put up with george steinbrenner blasted me in the newspaper doing whatever he wanted if i wasn't playing good because I know every year going into spring training, the goal is to win the World Series. And everybody doesn't get that opportunity, and every organization doesn't get yeah, that exactly. opportunity. Uh, just briefly, uh, just tell me a little bit about Ted and what it was like, him as an owner. Was he very right. involved? Was he was he on, you know, was he hands-on? Yeah, I know he was yeah. in the dugout for a minute. I saw that. Yeah. That's, fun. That's funny to me. Yeah, I was in AAA that year. Uh uh, and he uh, he gave Dave Bristol a leave of absence and, and wanted to manage for a day. Um, Phil Necro was pitching that day, and he's making out the lineup, and he goes, hey, Nuxie, where do you want to hit? <laughs> and and Nuxie goes, well, Ted, I'm pitching today. I probably ought to hit ninth. He goes, you sure? Okay, all right, I'll put you ninth. Um, no, I, I would say exactly what you said. Ted wanted to win. I, you know the the price of the ball clubs now, of a of a a franchise are so big that, you know, it's it's hard to maintain those family and personal um, ownerships. There's there's a few, and I I, you know I I, I think it's very valuable for a community to have an owner that feels the community interest and an interest to compete. Uh, the Braves are owned by Liberty Media in Colorado. Uh, they've still maintained, you know, that feeling with Terry McGurk as president. Uh, but but it's it's different, you know. Uh, you don't see the owner there. It's just it's the cost of, you know, keeping these teams together and the the expense. It just it's a big bigger corporation type thing now. But anyway, getting back to playing for Ted, I'd agree with you. He was unconventional. He'd say something. I wish he would have made more stock tips for us, but uh, uh, mentioned that to us. But that sound, that's just like Ted. You didn't know what was going to happen when he came in the clubhouse. But you know he wanted to beat Steinbrenner and get to the World Series yep. just because it was personal. And uh, I have nothing. I'm, I'm grateful 
to have played for Ted. Uh, I think Ted was trying to sign Reggie Jackson before Reggie went to California. And, and I remember Chris Shambliss saying that Reggie was like, nah, I don't know if I want to play for someone like Ted. And it, to me, it was, it was great. So Reggie didn't sign, but, but, you know, Ted just was a competitor. That's why a lot of these ideas he had 24 hour news, cable TV, uh, uh, sports entertainment all out around the world that were different. He thought different. And sometimes things didn't work, but when they hit, you know, they hit. And, uh, you know, he was great to play for. Like you say, he wanted to win. You felt like every day he, he said he was competitive and uh, thankful for the chance to play for Ted. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're getting involved with the group, Big League Utah's expansion, about an expansion franchise potentially for Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm going to let you tell the audience about what's going on. Sure. Tell me about the group. Uh, and what are the, what are, what are the, uh, where's the competition? Other parts yeah. of the country. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, thanks for the chance just to, to pitch what we're, we're doing out here. Uh, um, so uh, uh, where where do I start? So the baseball said they want to expand, you know, um, sometime to two more. Uh, it's not a, on a definite schedule. Uh, the commissioner said we got to figure out what Tampa's doing and what Oakland's doing. He said that for quite a few years, and then he wants to expand. So, um, you know, you got to register with MLB that you have a group that you're interested and. In, uh, I'm very optimistic. I, I was with the Portland uh, group there. Uh, I'm from Portland, uh, living here in Utah now. And, and they came to me and said, Hey, we got a group. I was like, tell me about it. And so I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and, uh, again, the commissioner said, we want a team in the East. We want a team in the West. Uh, we feel like things have got to the point in, in Salt Lake city and the, in the surrounding communities to where it probably wouldn't have worked 20 years ago. But um, with the way the the things work now with smaller stadiums, um, probably be around a 30, 35,000 seat stadium, uh, mixed use facility, much like the, the Battery Atlanta. Um, and the demographics have changed in Utah drastically with population base and it's continuing to grow. The business climate is really good. So uh, I feel we're going to have a, like, a very compelling case. Uh, the key points, I'll narrow it down to, to the key points, what we have going for us here. I, well, I feel like we have a, a great location. Uh, if, if Vegas ends up with a team, you know, I, you know we'll, we'll be in the west part of the United States. We're not on the coast, obviously. Uh, but what we have, uh, Booney, I think the key thing we have is we have Gail Miller. Uh, wife of Larry Miller, and they owned the Jazz for 20, 25 years uh, and always uh, had a class organization and did things right. Uh, 
and and Larry Miller has passed on, but Gail uh, Miller is is running the Miller companies, and they had uh, several hundred probably uh, dealerships, uh, car dealerships. They sold, they sold the Jazz to uh, Ryan Smith, and um, she's interested in getting back into professional sports. She, and she's so got we, the, she's got some, yeah, she got a little cash. <laughs> yes, and so yes, they, and and you know how much it costs. I think I think the cost, Booney, is is around two million. If they say you got a team, the first thing you got to do is write a check for two million. I'm sorry, two billion, right. uh, two billion, and then you go to work on building your your club. So, uh, we have a great. Speaking of owners, we have a great face to a local interested community member that is wants to bring professional sports here uh we have property uh near the airport between the airport and salt lake city uh very close five minutes from the airport five minutes from well uh, maybe 10 10 and 10. great infrastructure uh we have property we have ownership um and and uh, ownership that has been through it so i i think i think uh i'm optimistic as you know, as you can get, it's like bidding for the Olympics. You never, you put everything in and see, it's probably a three to five year project. We'll see where baseball is at that time. And, and I'm happy to be a part of big league Utah. It's a, it's an exciting thing. And, and uh, you know, a, a great project and we'll leave a lot of good things, uh, you know, involvement in youth sports uh, leading up to it. If, if we don't get a team, uh, the Miller companies, again, it, I didn't mention headed by Steve Starks. Um, who was president of the Jazz at one time, uh, you know, wants to leave a legacy of being involved with youth if we don't get a team. So they're already working on that. And it's a, it's a, it's exciting. It's a, I can't wait to see what happens. Very cool. A few more and I'll, I'll, I'll let you get out of here. Watching Dale Murphy. This is Brett Boone, the kid watching Dale Murphy. Clean cut guy, always says the right thing. Kind of a straight arrow. That That's my interpretation of you kind of like bob boone my father i mean bob always knowing the right thing always playing the game the right way coming you know and i i kid about it but i respect it a lot and and thank you you know it's really it's really a a character it's just it's just a real positive thing i want to ask dale murphy how how first of all how much do you think athletes people in our position do you think we're responsible to be role models to the kids i personally i always did think yes i i have an uh, i'm on the stage i have a responsibility in my mind to to appear and do the right thing when i could sometimes i i, I yeah. didn't but i made that effort do you, right are, what do you feel about that i think most athletes feel that i know charles barkley I think he did a commercial for Nike, you know, many years ago and kind of came through with this, 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 uh, kind of bombastic only as Charles Kennedy, you know, I'm nobody's role model and stuff like that. He was kind of the, you know, he had this persona, but you know, Charles does, Charles believes differently. I know that I've been with Charles. Uh, he's right. great with people. He's great with kids. Uh, I think most people feel like you are, here's the deal. You're going to be a role model whether you like it or not. Right. How do you, what do you want to do with it? Right. Yeah. And so you do your best. That's all you can. Yeah, you're human. You're going to 
you know, even make mistakes that are going to get very publicized sometimes. Uh, and, uh, you know, those things happen. I, I just think most uh, men and women involved in professional sports realize in our culture what sports means. I mean, it's a big deal in America and throughout the world. And if you just, you know, respect others, be yourself, uh, uh, and, and try to help others along the way and be involved in your community. And, and I think, Booney, you know, these guys do a lot. I mean, there is a lot of money raised. I just don't mean baseball, but with the money that athletes are making now, they, they have foundations and they're, they're doing so much good. Um, occasionally we get, you know, something weird happens with one of the athletes, but you know, that's what I tried to remember. Just treat each other with respect. You can't do everything, but you can decline respectfully. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to just say, no, I don't want to do that. You can say, Hey, you know, I, I really, I, I got a lot of, you know, I, you got to learn to say no, but if you can do stuff, you know, get involved in your community and help out. And I think most, most athletes, realize that and try to uh, occasionally there's a few that don't but i think they're very few the uh you know you probably were a lot like me I, I'm, I'm a purist you know i'm uh yeah i agree i love the game the way it was the way it is i, I don't like less change is better for me i i think that some necessary change obviously as we go on in life you know i don't want to be a grandpa saying no it's the best keep it exactly how when i played you know it makes us sound ridiculous things got to go on things have to to uh evolve and but but at first when this new kind of generation was reeled in with the celebrations and the i know for i, I know for you you probably were looking at it going whoa <laughs> how can we do that you know that griffy comes out and griffy's a teammate of mine and one of my favorite guys he's he's a good guy but he says you know just let the kids play yeah and i'm you know this is at the very beginning and i'm going let the kids play what is this what is going yeah. on with yeah. all these celebrations yeah. you know i'm kind of numb to it now i i see oh, yeah. it's just a part of the game now and and you kind of get over yourself real quick as an ex-player. And, and you know, they talk about the rules. Well, back in your day, you know, the unwritten rules. And I, and I thought about it. And I said, you know, you know what the unwritten rules are? The unwritten rules are whatever the people playing currently decide they are. In our game, yeah. this wouldn't fly in our day, in your day, in my day. But it does now. History will judge each and every one of our generations and, and right. how they thought of it. But it doesn't mean, and, and as an ex-player, I step away and go, this is these guys' game. Yeah, I love some of the new stuff they do. I think it's fun. It's entertaining. And I like some of the stuff that, that we did. And, and and I think there's a mix in there some way. I always say the current player can learn a lot from the guys that came before him. But the guys that came before him, I think we can learn a lot from the current players. I know you have eight kids. Uh, a couple of your boys played in the NFL for years. And they're always probably talking to dad. Hey, dad, what do you think? But now you look, man, I, I, I'm i finding myself, I can learn stuff from my son. I ask my son questions or my daughter questions, and they're in their 20s, and they give me answers. I'm like, you know, that's a good idea. I would have never come up with that. Yeah. So I think there, there's something there where we can learn from one another. But what do you uh, think about this? And would Dale Murphy, if he were playing today in his heyday, 
hit a home run. What 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 are you going to put on in the dugout? Because they all got to dance now. They got a hat or something. I couldn't imagine you doing it. You're, you'd be like, come on, I can't do that. Oh, that's a great question. Uh you know, if I was playing now, like you said, Brad, we, we, we'd probably be, yeah, you can't take me from the eighties and put me in now. I, right. It wouldn't work. Uh, but I agree with you. And that's a great way to put it. I had, I had never thought about saying it that way, but it is the current generation writes the unwritten rules. It's different. There's so many different things going on, but these kids grew up with their highlights on YouTube since they were 10, you know, they've right. been on screen they're used to the social media stuff. Uh, I think I, I think we need young people to, you know, I don't think we looked like we were having very much fun back in the day, right? <laughs> right. Oh, you'd hit a home run and, it, you know, what's yeah. going on? I used to tell people, I said, listen, what was going on inside my brain was fireworks. Yeah. But, yeah. but I had to stay stoic. I couldn't even smile. Yeah. I had to get into the dugout. Now, when the cameras are away, Oh, I'm going crazy with my yeah. teammates, but yeah. I had to show how cool I was that, yeah. Hey, Hey, I'm under control here. We're inside. I'm going, ah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm fine. With, I, I think first, I, I think when people ask me what's too far, I think you always kind of know what, what takes celebrations too far. But the, I think what happens is, is it, it, when you make it personal, if you're looking at the picture, you know, while you're doing something or you're talking to the pitcher or, you know, you make it personal about your competition between the other team. Uh, that's where it crosses the line. I Just as a side note, there's a lot of things going on in college baseball, for instance, about celebrations. I, what I'm noticing in college, they're, they're looking at the pitcher sometimes. They're really take they're, they're kind of crossing a line to where it's becoming a personal thing against you know, maybe it's that college spirit and they really don't like each other, but they, uh, you, you know, kind of crosses the line sometimes. And, and for me, but now I'm, I'm good with celebrations. I think, uh, you know, there, there's some things I thought just, just as came to my mind, I think Marcelo Zuna hit a home run last year and stopped at first base and took a selfie. I mean, you know, even if I was his teammate, I would have been, Hey, look, <laughs> right, right. You know, but I, I, Brett, I think you said it perfectly. It's their game. We're, we're not playing. Game. It's right. their game. Uh, let them, you know, don't, don't act like, uh, you know, you know everything. And you're right. You're, oh man, our kids can teach us a lot. And hey, they're having fun. They man, are. we, we I'll, were, we were probably, we were probably a little bit too far with our stoicism, as you say, but it was, you're right. We had to put our head down. You know, I remember when high fives were invented, you know, oh, I still, and, I go to the old tape and, 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 and it's not even a high five, right? It's the hand. Right. Oh yeah. I you remember. Can't, give, you can't go up here. No, that's, no, that no. is great. You're going to get hit in the head. You're next to bat. <laughs> oh, I remember giving a high five, you know, and I'm like, man, am I, am I, am I showing anybody up? I hope nobody saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 1994, and this is one thing I think is is really cool. You know, a lot being in the team hall of fame, that's great. You get your number retired, that's a big deal. I we were just in Atlanta. I saw there were 11 numbers retired for the Braves. Yours is one of them, number three. I really think that's cool because 
And, and, and for you going to the ballpark, seeing that number, just kind of knowing, and I know it's not an egotistical thing, but nobody's ever going to wear your number ever in the history of the game for the Atlanta Braves ever again. I think it's a pretty cool thing. 1994, you get the call probably with the numbers you put up in Atlanta, you probably had an idea that, Hey, I got a pretty good chance of getting my number retired. But when you actually get that phone call and they say, we're going to retire a number, it's got to be a special day for you. Oh, yeah, it's hard to even grasp, you know, uh, that fact that no one's ever going to wear it again. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, you know, just first of all, to be up with the numbers that, that I was there with, that was, was uh, you know, just think, you just start reflecting on your life and you're like, how did, how, you know, just very fortunate. And, uh, you know, I love the Braves organization. They took me, they took a chance on me and, and they had to stick with me, as I mentioned earlier, through some ups and downs. And I'm just very grateful. It's just a, it is a humbling feeling. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to put into words, Brett. It really is. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, know how to, how to even say it. They asked me a few, so we were, we were trying to, we were trying to sign uh um i can't remember uh what was i gonna say uh alex uh who am i thinking of alex rodriguez uh alex rodriguez a rod was number three yeah yeah i think the braves were thinking about signing him oh and and the number controversy yeah yeah Yeah. and so i i i can't even remember what i said i probably said sure whatever Let, no. let him wear it. Just put an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, it, it's a really uh, humbling feeling, and it's a real honor, Brad. I don't really know how else to say it, but who would have thought, you know, back in the day that something like that would happen? Very grateful. And I think, it, and, you know, and that it, I didn't want to talk, because a lot of people talk to you about this. You know, you've always been on the bubble of Dale Murphy. Is he going to get in the Hall of Fame? Is he not? It's been a thing with – you know, for me, from a guy from that I played with uh, against a lot, Freddie McGriff, it was always Freddie. Is he going to get in? Is he not? I go through your your. I just look at your numbers and what you did. There's not too many two time MVPs out there. There's not a, too many guys that led the league in home runs a couple times, RBIs a couple times, seven times All Stars. It's all there. I understand. Uh, the complexity of it. And, you know, there's magic numbers. There were magic numbers yeah. in, in the 70s and 80s. It's 3,000. It's yeah. 500. You know, things are changing. But the world's changing. And and I think uh, I, I didn't want to done it. I don't want to ask you about it. You get asked about it enough. I just want to say, uh, as a peer, as an ex, ex-player, I look at it and I said, you know, Dale Murphy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And I hope one day that, that you well, get put you. in. Because I think it is, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm going, this guy was the best player. I mentioned it to you. He was the best player in the world for a six year period. That's enough for <laughs> me. You, you dominated Thank an you. era enough where that's enough for me. And, and I'm pretty you. tough on those hall of fame because I, I have a lot of opinions about it, but I just want to tell you personally, Thank I'm not you. just saying it cause you're on the show. Uh, I, I really hope you, you do it one day. And I think you will. I Thanks, think one Brad. day that that committee will get to say Dale deserves to be there. So uh, I just wanted to say that. What a career. Awesome. This is a lot of fun catching up. You're a Clemente Award winner amongst – there's too many awards, Dale. I can't mention them all. 
but it was a real pleasure uh, Thanks, talking to you coming on the show. I'm going to let you out of here with this. All the things you've accomplished in life, things you've been involved with, the charities, the, the awards. What are you most proud of? It could be anything. Wow. Um, again, who would have thought go, going through my career that there's there's one title that means so much to me, and that's being called Grandpa. Very cool. Very <laughs> there's, cool. There's nothing like being a grandpa. Um, you know, I think I'm getting close. My daughter's getting married in November, so it's, all right. It, 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 it's going to blow your mind again because you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But when you become a grandpa, it's like it's it's incredible. But uh, you know, uh, what what can I say? I think uh, you know, I was lucky to play. I played hard. I was grateful for the chance. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, getting through it, Booney, getting through that kind of thing with, uh, you know, I, I thank my mom and dad for, you know, inheriting, I inherited, a uh, something that they gave me to, you know, respect others, uh, do your best. And, um, um, I, I think that was the main thing. Uh, my, my mom and dad just really respected everybody, and I tried to do that throughout my career. And so now, uh, now that those things are passed, you know, I'm just really thankful for Nancy, our kids, and our our grandkids. Uh, you know, it it means the, it, everything to me. It really does. I love to talk about the old days, but man, after a while, they they become really really old days, and. Uh, you know, I, I love what's going on currently in the Murphy family. A lot of exciting things and and uh, so very grateful to be a grandpa and a dad and, and a husband to Nancy. Very cool. Dale Murphy, it was an honor. Thanks for coming on. This was great. For all you out there listening to the Boone Podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.